This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Well, let's see, where to begin? I think I'll, uh, I'll give a little sports at the beginning, and I'm going to give sports at the end. So, just be beware. Uh, just want to update on the twins. They're really having a good season. There's some frustrations along the line. I'd like to see them do even better than they're doing, but really, I mean, when you consider that we expected maybe at best a second place finish, third place probably be more like it. The fact that they're still in the lead of the division, although this weekend could be a very big weekend for them. They're playing the Cleveland Indians, which are the next place team, and in the uh, the Central Division of the American League, and uh, you know, if we sweep. Boy, they'll really you know, put the Clevelands behind us. But if the Clevelands take a couple of games or if they sweep us, ooh. And right now the game's tied. Uh, and then there's uh, this home run record thing. I want to be on the record right now. I want to say this. I have a dire prediction. And hopefully my predictions don't come true because, you know, I'm not psychic and there nobody is. At least I don't think anybody is. Uh, we haven't proven that anybody is. So my prediction is this. And when it comes to sports, my predictions are generally pretty dire. The Twins broke the season, the single season home run record. Uh, they did that uh, at the end of August, by the end of August. So there's still a month to go in the regular season. The, uh, the record had been 267 home runs hit in a single season by a team, by the whole team. And that was that record was set last year by the hated Yankees, and I'm predicting that I by the end of the season, I'm going to have another reason to hate the Yankees. The Twins have been hitting home runs this season, great guns. It's just an, an incredible number of home runs they've been hitting. They broke the record of 267. They are now at 272, unless they hit a couple or hit some in this game that's not over yet. It's in the bottom of the ninth, last I saw, and it's tied at two, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I hope they hit a home run. That'd be nice. Uh, but the Yankees went nuts. I mean, at, at the beginning of August, the Twins were at least 20 or so home runs ahead of the Yankees. By the end of August, and as of today, you know, because August, uh, the Yankees went crazy with home runs. They hit over 60 in a month. They set a record of the number of home runs hit by a team in one month. And so they've been catching up to the Twins. And so by today, they're, they're eight home runs behind us. And my prediction is, yes, the Twins broke the record, but by the end of the season, the Yankees will end up with more home runs. 
and that will be yet another reason for me to hate the Yankees. But we shall see, and hopefully my prediction's wrong, because I'm not psychic. Nobody is. Okay. Um, on Facebook, I, you know, I, I was watching some stuff on YouTube, and this video came up, uh, you know, a suggested video was George Carlin. And it's George Carlin video on saving the planet. And it was one of his later comedy specials, HBO comedy specials, a, a routine from that uh, later in his life. He, he probably didn't, might have been the last one he did, or I'm not sure. But it was toward the late part of his, late, late part of his career. And in that late, late part of his career, he, he became and presented himself pretty much as an angry old crank. <laughs> Just a, would rant about stuff. And this stuff might have been somewhat funny, but it just seemed like... Eh. I remember there was a radio show host, a conservative talk radio host, who who watched one of the last specials that uh, that Carlin did, and he just kind of said, yeah, he's just an angry old man. This is, this, he's, he used to be a little more clever or something like that. But the Saving the Planet routine that Carlin did, uh, you know, it's got all the Carlin stuff to it. You know, his use of language, uh, the way he f structures the jokes he makes or the stories he tells or whatever, his rants, his, however you want to categorize them, the way he delivers his, his comedy, there's, he's, he's, it's very calculated. It's like poetry. It's just how he breaks a sentence down, uh, how he, he makes the tempo change, you know, slow, speed up, does that, the cadence, all this kind of stuff. It's all worked out. And he just, you know, and, and it's, it's, he's, he was brilliant at that. And that was one of the things that set him apart from other comedians, uh, other than the fact that he would go in certain places that would make people nervous, like the seven dirty words, and he would get in trouble with all that. All right. The seven words you can't say on television, I think, was, is the more accurate title of his uh, routine. And in this one, I, you know, I decided to share this video with the Minnesota Skeptics on the Facebook page for them. And I said, what do you guys think of George Carlin's take on saving the planet? Just kind of opened it up for discussion. I wanted to see what they would think. Because I remember when I watched it, and I'd watched the routine before, and but I watched it today, and, I, and my reaction was, well, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, um, hmm, uh, really? Hmm, I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> it was like that. I was just having those. I don't know if I follow quite with what you're going there. And he's he he takes a you know the overall joke that he's making is is that the planet's fine. It's us that are screwed. The planet's fine. The planet's just going to keep on going. We aren't, but the planet is. You know and. That's that's the gist of the joke, but he fleshes it out so much more. You know, he talks about how, in the history of life on this planet, when it first started forming, uh, three and a half billion years ago or so, something like that, um, when life started showing up on the planet, in that time, about ninety, he said over ninety percent. He said way over ninety percent of all species have gone extinct. And then he says we didn't kill them all, which is true. 
And, and he talks about how it's arrogant to think that uh, we can save the planet and all that. And he talks about how the planet's going to be okay. And I did see a little cartoon uh, just today that seemed to suggest the same thing. Like so, There was a human being apologizing to Gaia, the spirit of the Earth, saying, I'm sorry what humans did to you. And, and she her response is that, that you know, it's just like, oh, you know, self-centered humans. And, he, and, and the human thought... That's right, because we didn't weren't thinking about our planet and all that. She said, no, to think that this is going to really affect the planet. I mean, yeah, it's affecting the planet, but it's not, it's, you know, you guys are the ones that are in trouble, not the planet. Essentially, what, that's what that's saying. And I've heard other people talk about, you know, uh, trying to uh, prevent climate change and do what we can to get off fossil fuels and stop pumping CO2s and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and what we can do you know to, to try and keep the planet habitable for us and the other species that live on this planet to try to you know and I've heard some people uh, that are advocates of that say you know the planet will be okay we won't and what we're trying to do is make it okay for us and for our future generations and all that so, and, and George Carlin was saying kind of the same thing, just a little more harsh with some F-bombs thrown in there. And when he would get, you know, really into it, you could hear in the audience murmurs. And I don't know if it was people taking exception to what he was saying or if they were, you know, like, hurrah, you know, huzzah, huzzah, you know, harumph, harumph. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy, you know. And... I don't know if that's what they were doing, or but I got the feeling that they were, they were grumbling in disagreement. But he just kept going. He just kept going. Now, this is the same guy who, in the 70s, came up with the new words to the song uh, America the Beautiful or something like that. Um, the, you know... Uh, oh, Beautiful for Spacious Skies and Amber Waves of Grain, that song. And he, and he ends... I, I, I didn't look up all, all the lyrics, I'm sorry. But at the end of the song, he says, and, 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 and we covered the vines with billboard signs from sea to oily sea. I mean, it's the same guy. He's talking, you know, environmentalism there in his joke about how, you know, we've got sea to oily sea. And it was that's what that thing, it's the same guy. It's just, who knows? And so I posted that. And it started to get some reactions. Uh, and this is where I'm going to go. <laughs> the Internet is full of assholes. It's just... And I know I've made this analogy before. The Internet asshole is the equivalent of the... You know, when we were kids, and you, you, you probably had some kid that was like this, or more than one, when you were kids, that, you know, would... would uh, mouth off to you once they were safely away from you you know I mean if they if you got close to them and you said what was that what'd you say and they said oh nothing I, you know it's I'm, you know and they'd get all timid and all that and you say okay you know get out of here and they get a half a block away from you and they turn around and say you're a duty face and they'd run away that's what these guys are these these people on the internets because they have the anonymity and they you know they just they're just assholes and some of them are, are psychotic and I was just watching some stuff about uh, on YouTube, a series of, you know, why are these people so angry? Um, and it's interesting, but I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. And so th that's what, so somebody 
who is, I posted this on the Minnesota Skeptics site. I didn't put it on my site. I put it on the Minnesota Skeptics site because I wanted to know what the skeptics thought of it. You know, I wanted to get their take on this thing. And someone who's apparently a member of the Minnesota Skeptics got in there and do the, did the, you know, this is just comedy. It's just a comedy routine. Why are you guys taking it so seriously? And continued to hammer that point. When another member of the Minnesota Skeptics, someone I consider a friend, Beth, uh, she was saying, you know, people form their ideas about science from all sorts of influences. And, 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 that's, and that's something that I was thinking. You know, I didn't put my opinion in there. I was asking for others. But, uh, you know, and I, but I was thinking, you know, here he is, you know, dismissing that we can do anything about it and seeming to suggest that we shouldn't do anything about it. Why bother? We're all going to die off anyway. What's the, you know, it's a nihilistic way of looking at things. And I thought if I had shared that video on my, on my, just on my regular page, I have friends that are dubious about climate change and humans' involvement in it. Uh, I have friends that are dubious of that. You know, they may be client, client, they may be as far as uh, go as far as being climate change deniers. I think they would they would watch that and they would take that as a as an affirmation of their their standpoint. Oh, even George George Carlin, which we all know is a real liberal guy, he was a real liberal dude, and here he is thinking that, you know, that uh, that this is a bunch of nonsense and we're arrogant to think that we can make any changes or that we can destroy the world or that you know he's they're going to use that to boost their position. Yeah, so there, and and you might have people who are on the fence, but they may be leaning toward that side of the fence that says either humans aren't causing it, or it's not happening, or it's happening. There's nothing we can do about it. Leaning toward that, and they might topple over to that side from something like this. I mean, people get their opinions from lots of places. The guy just kept being kind of, you know, just kept being a bit of an asshole. And Beth tries, she might. You know, she argued the points. He wasn't arguing her points. He just kept on this whole thing. It's, it's just comedy. Why do you do blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Why do you mean so? You know, it's just comedy. And there is a point at which you can say it's just a joke, and that can work, but it's also a way of, of, of deflecting responsibility. You say something, and, and somebody goes, oh, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. Well, it, it, it depends on how you use it. It can just be deflecting responsibility and, and covering your ass. It can be a little of that. But the fellow, um, his last word was, uh, was pretty much the same. He's decided to go home and have a more interesting conversation with his living room wall, which I'm sure the wall just loves listening to him. And, and he just, he just, it's just dismissive. And at my my comment, my reply to his doing that was what I have taken to doing when, when you get in cornered by a, a, a conspiracy theorist or something. Instead of trying to convince him, instead of, yeah, I, I, I started to try to say something, but then I thought, ah, no, just do what you usually do. I just wrote the word sigh. <sighs> uh, Travis, one of the elders of the Minnesota Skeptics, came in and said, you know, both Beth and, and, and Travis, they know me. Uh, I consider them friends. And, and they both said, well, you know, Jim is asking for opinions here. 
And if you knew Jim, you knew he had this pedantic nature, or you know, and and he explores that with the with the Minnesota skeptics group. And you know, this is and if and if you if you just want to come in here and be a you know essentially Travis was saying if you just want to be an asshole, you know, you can leave. You can leave the group. You know, we're having a discussion here. You know, last week I talked about um, uh, the 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 photograph that's uh, you know. A grayscale black and white photograph with a color grid over it, and there was a discussion that went through. It was among skeptics. Some were agreeing, some were disagreeing, or just there was nuance to the conversation and all that. But nobody was an asshole. Well, we had this guy. So, uh, ten points to Travis and to uh, to Beth for doing their best. And I, th you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I think. I mean, Carlin might not have even believed anything he said, but I think it it it's it can embolden those who think that we shouldn't be doing anything about the climate because you know we're screwed anyway. They'll just use that for their the ammunition. So, yeah, you know, and that's just you know the internet is full of assholes. It just is. They can be anonymous or they can have no consequences and they can just do that kind of stuff. So anyway, last Friday. The, uh, uh, on uh, it was uh, August 30th, last Friday, and it was a big, 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 big day in the world of uh, of music. Uh, there's a band out there called Tool, who I'd heard of, but I um, didn't know anything by them until about I don't know a year or two ago. Well, I started hanging out with at the Minnesota Skeptics. There's there's at least two uh, skeptics there who are big fans of Tool, and I have my friend Dave, who I work with at the comic book store. He's a fan of Tool, and my wife is a fan of Tool. And um, the, so the album comes out. It's the first album they've dropped in 13 years. And I asked Craig, did they put out any singles or any live albums or anything? Nothing. They toured a hell of a lot, but they just there was just nothing. And unless, and Amy was just explaining this to me uh, just before I started recording, unless you owned uh, you know, a CD, a hard copy of their material, unless you owned it, um, you couldn't get stuff from iTunes. They weren't on Spotify. They, that's changed. They're on there now. But it, it just was, you can't really find much stuff on, on YouTube. There's some live videos, but not a lot. And so there, you, you had to have their material to be able to, to, to listen to it. Uh, you couldn't download or whatever. And um, I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm a little tooled out. <laughs> I, look, you know, my, my wife was, you know, was telling me, how I like them, you know, because their um, tool is it's it's they're they're a kind of metal band, metal music. Uh, I've heard them described as you know prog metal. I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that covers it. But you know, my wife was kind of giving me that, and I said, "Yeah, and you know me to be a big fan of metal, do you? <laughs> I'm a big prog fan. I mean, I there's some metal I." Like not much. But there's some. Uh, I don't like the hair metal, which is which. Tool is nothing like that. They're they're more like a combination of uh, 
of the this the sort of metal that Metallica does maybe not exactly but more in that vein and then you combine with the the, the, the progressive bands the prog bands uh, Genesis yes and you know that that kind of stuff you know uh, complex time signatures long songs tempo changes uh, you know all that just and it's more based not based on on blues but more based on classical type music and that's that's what the prog thing is about and and it, so and and there's some prog stuff I like there's some metal stuff I like I like I like some of deep purple's work I like some of black Sabbath I don't you know I like I, I like some of ACDC a bit more than others, um, but you know, and for Prague I like some of Yes, and I, you know, there's Rush, this sort of a Prague band, but but my favorite part of Rush is their period where they were more synthesizer heavy. The you know, the three albums of uh, 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 Permanent Waves, Moving Pictures, and Subdivisions. I those that's my those are my three favorite Rush albums, and I had the ones before, and I've listened to them since, and they're they, it's a little. For me, it's a little ponderous that the songs take so long, and, and then I hear that there's only six proper songs on this album. The thing's 90 minutes, this uh, new Tool album, although they have like interstitials of music, you know, instrumental stuff or something. I don't know. And um, I, I guess I, what I want to do, I'll take my break. I'll get back to some more of this, but... Um, there's something I when I was listening to Amy wasn't just playing new stuff she was playing stuff that had been released before which is finally on Spotify and there's a there's a fair amount of chug 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 in the in the guitar sound there's a bit more chugging not I'm not saying the tool does that's all they do but there's more of that and I was never into the chug 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 kind of thing so when you listen to the when I go to break and come out of break these are these will be songs that are examples of guitar sound that I like. So you're listening to Dimland Radio and the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll talk more about this when I come back, but I uh, I'll be back after this break. Other guys. The finger. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on ZTalk Radio Network. You're listening to ZTalk Radio's Redheaded Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. You're listening to ZTalk Radio Network. Thank you. 
and welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'm talking about the new Tool album, Fear uh, Noculum, or something like that. I, I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, but the reason I got t- uh, tooled out a little bit is, is because my wife is very enthusiastic and excited about it, which is understandable. It's been 13 years. You know, it's understandable. And, 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 and only recently... Uh, have has the band realized that uh, they should make their stuff available <laughs> so people can get it you know put it on Spotify put it on iTunes let's let's go and and so it's understandable she's excited about it and she said you know and they're not her favorite band but she really likes them and she's excited so each it's now that school has started with, with my son she drives my son to school so that she has the car so she drives me to work so and she picks me up and brings me home and uh uh, starting Tuesday, because Labor Day was Monday. Each morning, drive in. Evening, drive home. Listening to Tool, <laughs> and uh, and this one song H. I think it's what it's called. I don't know if that's one of their new songs. If it's an older song, I don't know. But that one got played a lot. And I said, okay, come, you know, I've heard. And and then on Thursday. I said uh, Thursday, driving back, and she's telling me about stuff about it too, because she was finding video on YouTube of uh, you know live concert footage, and she's talking about. It. And I said, "Hun, <laughs> I'm a little tooled out." <laughs> and and um, but that evening, uh, she showed me some stuff uh, that uh, was interesting, and I and I showed her a video that uh, Craig, uh, my friend Craig, uh, who's likes Tool. Uh, he said to check out this, and it's. Uh, I talked about it before on the show. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, 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 music school, and and there are kids in there, in you know, very young, like, you know, I think maybe ten or so, up to sixteen, seventeen, or whatever. And there's a group of kids. It's about nine of them, I think, in in total, uh, doing a cover of a Tool song called Forty Six and Two, which I do like that song. Uh, I might like the kids' version of it <laughs> better than the original because I've heard the kids' version of it more than I've heard the original. But I do like that song. I like the bass line in it. I think it's really cool. And uh, it's a, yeah, so I, I told Amy about that video, so she wanted to see it. So she watches it, and, and we're both watching it together. We've got the, the dual jack so that we can both have the headphones on and watch it on the laptop, and we're watching And then when it got done, she's crying. <laughs> She just thought it was wonderful, and then she found that there was another video that this uh, done by the same school. Uh, the the girl there's a girl that does the lead vocals, and and uh, she was like 12 at the time uh, for the uh, 46 and two song, um, and she doesn't do what I see a lot of kids do. She's like over emote. She's just she's singing the song. She's not trying to I don't know be bigger. She's just she's singing it. And then uh, the, there's another song that the, that the school p- produced, and the, the, the same girl is the lead singer in that one, although it's different musicians. Uh, some of them might be the same. Uh, and she's, she's playing guitar, and she's singing lead, and she's about 16 at this point. And uh, it's a song called Sober. And I, I liked their version of it, too. And I don't know if I've heard the Tool version of it. I might. And I, I don't know if I'll listen to the album. Like I said, it's 90 minutes, and I don't know. I mean, the Who Quadrophenia is 70 four minutes or 78 minutes I mean but that's the who anyway um so she so she on Friday we listened to something else and she gave me a break um and I'm 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 happy for 
uh, the, my friends who are Tool fans. They're excited about it. Uh, my friend Dave bought the uh, CD package, and it's a really nicely nice made package, and it's got a little video that plays in there, um, and, and it has a charger that you can plug it in so that, you know, runs out of charge and get the video to play some more it's not a video it's got some music to it but it's it's a I don't know it's it's, it's just a bunch of art stuff with a bunch of eyeballs floating around and going in circles and patterns and stuff it's really neat looking um, so I don't know uh, Amy did show me you know she's telling me about this uh, the, the lead singer for the band I guess his name is Maynard I think <laughs> and he's he really has a, a, a bad stage fright, and so he, you know, he, he, he has to power his way through the shows, and he, sometimes he's in the back, in the dark, in the shadows, and you don't see him much, I guess. Uh, but there was a concert footage where a guy got up on stage, and that's and Amy says they don't allow that. You know, Tool does not. You know, there's no stage diving. There's no getting up on stage. They don't. That's they're pretty strict about that because because this lead singer guy just does doesn't want to handle that. But one guy got up on stage, comes over to the, to the lead singer, and the lead singer uses a judo move or something and puts the guy down to the stage and then climbs on top of him. And the guy's face down at the stage and he's trying to get back up, but this this guy, you know, the singer is just holding him down and he's singing. He's st he's continuing to sing and he's just holding the guy down. And then at some point, you know, and the guy stays there for the rest of the song. Underneath him, uh, Maynard, if that's his name, sits on him for the rest of the song. And th at some point, you just see the guy just kind of shaking, his, you know, doing the head, keeping the time with his head. Yeah. And when the song ends, uh, you know, the singer gets off of him, the guy gets up, and heads on over to the side of the stage. Uh, he's, as he's wandering over a roadie or somebody comes out and just kind of grabs the guy and just escorts him away. Uh, but it's kind of funny. Amy is watching that, and she's just chuckling at it. Know what was going on? Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm a bit tooled out. Oh, and incidentally, uh, in November, uh, the Who, what's left of them, will be putting out a new album. Yep. And also, incidentally, it's been 13 years since they put out a new album. I hope it's good. <laughs> we'll see. And maybe Amy. We'll get hooed out. What kind of time have I got for the show? Let me take a look. Okay, we got... Um, uh, let's see. Uh, have you seen this uh, this gif, jif, going around of Shirley Temple uh, smoking a, a peace pipe or a ceremonial pipe? Have you seen it? And I, I saw it the other day on the, on the Facebook. And it, I think it's meant to, at least it conjured for me, it's meant to conjure the idea that she's smoking some marijuana because I think that's a, I think, I, I did some looking into it and I couldn't find anything that that I thought uh, was clear in, in, its, in the evidence giving that, that some in Indian tribes, uh, those that would, you know, not, they didn't all use ceremonial pipes, but that some of them that did might have smoked marijuana in them. Uh, but I couldn't find anything. Couldn't find anything definite. What I could find that was definite was that they smoked tobacco in them. Uh, and there was this stuff called kinnikinnik, which uh, was a, a herbal mixture of smoking material, which uh, could be leaves or bark. Uh, could include tobacco. But uh, so I didn't find anything with it. So um, I think it was shared because well, what you see in the in the meme now, 
do you know who Shirley Temple was? Do you know? Okay. Shirley Temple was uh, a child actor from the back in the days of the Depression. She was, I think, the biggest box office draw in, those, in the 1930s. She was huge. Uh, the country's going through a depression, and she was you know, movies were a way to escape that, and she was you know, she was a product of that, and she benefited from that, and she was a very talented little girl. She'd sing and dance and all that kind of stuff, and um, uh, she was in this movie in 1939 called Susanna of the Mounties. That's where this little clip that was turned into a GIF came from, or GIF, and uh, it shows her, you know reluctantly smoking a peace pipe. Now, why did that come to be? Well, according in the, in the movie, um, the, she's, uh, you know, it's in, it takes place in Canada. And there are tensions between the white settlers in Canada, up in wherever this part of Canada it was, and the native peoples up there. Uh, and um, there was this renegade Indian fellow who wanted to make the white settlers look even worse than, than they were. So he stole horses, and so the Indian chief thinks that you know thinks that the white settlers did it, and he starts to you know tension starts to rise, and and this this uh, uh, Mountie named Monty, played by Randolph Scott, was uh, taken prisoner, I think, and well, little Shirley Temple, playing Susanna of the Mounties, she comes to the rescue. She finds out that this uh, this renegade Indian was, in fact, the one who stole the horses, and she tells the chief that. But the chief's not sure to believe her. Of course, you know, the renegade is 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 uh, is uh, uh, denying that he had anything to do with it. So, what does the chief do? He brings out the the stick of truth, the stick of truth, and he and he has the two, you know, has has little Susanna and the other fella, you know, has the two of them stand there. You know, who stole the? You know, who's telling the truth? Who of these two is telling the truth? And then he drops the stick, and whoever the stick points at was the one telling the truth. Hey, science, huh? <laughs> well, of course, it points to to uh, Shirley Temple, little Susanna there, and oh well, then the guy, well, you know, it's all found out, and 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 everybody's happy at the end, and they decide to smoke a peace pipe, the ceremonial pipe, and. Shirley needs to take a puff on the thing, you know. So the thing gets handed to her, and she she reluctantly takes it. She looks a little nervous about it. And she's only like I don't know, twelve when she's making that. So she 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 starts to puff away at it, and 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 then she's just a bright smile on her face. And she looks to the people on either side of her like, hey, wow. And I think the idea is. In that GIF, GIF, is that she's getting high, right? But the, but the other thing is that happens at the very end of the film. She smokes it, she gets the big smile, she's looking back and forth like, "Hey, this stuff isn't too bad." And then she looks straight at the camera, and her expression changes. The GIF ends by then. She looks straight. You know, ends before this happens. She looks straight at the camera. And all of a sudden, she, you know, she's making the face like, oh, she's getting sick. Oh, and then fade to black, the end. So they didn't, they didn't the, the, the GIF didn't pay it off. 
uh, they they wanted it was it was clipped just right so as to make sure that that's the impression that you get. Uh, but again, I couldn't find anything of whether Native Americans were smoking uh, marijuana or any kind of you know drug type stuff other than tobacco. Uh, so, uh, so it just you know it's a little interesting. Uh, just just kind of you know kind of funny. Uh, let's see. I think let's see. Let's see. I might as well go to my break early. My next break early. So you're listening to G- uh, Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host Jim, Doctor Dim Fazemans. Remember, all of the bumpers are songs that have guitar sounds that I like. Not the chug chug chug. Not that I don't like chug 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 completely. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, it depends. But <clears throat> these are the sounds that I kind of like. And uh, this bumper here is a song called Wild Blue Yonder by the Screaming Blue Messiahs. I'll be back. Ah, listen to that. identification you're listening to ztalk radio network operating frequency on ztalkradio.com remember there's no hugging in the chat room you're listening to dimland radio on ztalk radio network Hey everyone, this is Professor Dave. I want to teach you about all kinds of things regarding science. I want to tell you about physics. I want to tell you about chemistry, biology, astronomy, math, and many, many more things. Come check me out on YouTube. The channel is called Professor Dave Explains. Take it easy. He knows a lot about the science stuff. Professor Dave Explains. If this station is not your cup of tea... Then drink coffee! 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 coffee. <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Yep, that was a guitar. That sound that you heard was a guitar. That was a guitar. That was a band called Big Black and their song, Kerosene. There's kerosene around. Something to do. Set me on fire. Oh, it's a great song. Uh, now, in the first break, might as well tell you about those bumpers. Uh, the first break, uh, the first song was uh, "I Will Dare" by The Replacements, Minneapolis' own. Uh, that that represents the jangly guitar that I like. I like jangly guitar. I, I just do. And then uh, the song coming out of that break was uh, "The Boy with the Thorn in His Side" by The Smiths. That's a really pretty song with the acoustic and lilting electric guitar. I like that. And then, of course, "Wild Blue Yonder" and uh, 
kerosene. So that those are some of the guitar sounds I like. I like jangly. I like uh, I like buzz in the guitar. Uh, I like fuzzy guitar. I like uh, angly, you know, stuff. You know, like uh, just I do. That's that's what I like. Okay, um, but talking about smoking, which I was just before the break, uh, I just thought I'd relate this. Just lay this little story on you now. I, I, I when I now your results may have been may have varied from what I had happen to me, but um, when I was watching that uh, Shirley Temple thing, and she's taking the puff and she's you know she starts smiling right away. Oh, this is good. This is good. And I and I thought, well, hey, no way, <laughs> no way. If she's drawing that stuff into her lungs, no way. Um, when I was hell, I don't know, about the age that uh, that Shirley Temple was in that scene. Um, you know, it was a thing to do back then. Back then was the tail end of uh, where the, of the time period in the United States when everybody smoked. I mean, you got to the age of uh, 18, you were smoking. Uh, chances were pretty good. My parents smoked. My aunts and uncles all smoked. My grandparents smoked. I mean, well, I don't think my grandmother ever smoked on my dad's side. But um, nevertheless, people, you know, lots of people smoked. You watch shows like Columbo, and he's going around with a cigar, and he just walks and just lights up in people's offices or homes, and it's like, it's no big deal. <laughs> he might ask once in a while, but usually it was not a problem. Uh, but it was, just, it was just a given. You know, people smoked. And so the influence was, you, know, you look at the adults smoking, and as a kid, you think the adults all got it going. <laughs> you have to become an adult to realize that adults don't. They just, they're just big kids with bigger problems. That's all. <laughs> um, and anyway, so, I, I, you know, so the smoking thing, you know, you look cool, right? You got the cigarette hanging in your mouth, and man, you look cool. Hold the cigarette in your hand there, and do that. And we used to, used to take a, a, a cigarette out of an ashtray, you know, a dead cigarette, and you just take it out and you just put it in there, and you get a little bit of the taste of the of the cigarette there, but not, not you know, but nothing much. Yeah, and, and I was out in the front yard, uh, and my and my you know, just a kid. Uh, my uh, my uncle Jack and Aunt Flo had come over to visit, and apparently they had just walked by the front of the house and come around to the side entrance, and um, and I was coming back from somewhere, so I'm walking into the front yard, and there on the sidewalk is a, is a cigarette butt. And I don't know, I just did the thing, you know, picked it up, act like, a, you know, I'm cool, I'm Bogart, except I don't think I knew who Bogart was then. And I put the cigarette in my mouth, and I took in a drag. And it was still lit. There was still a bit of a cherry on there. And I got a lung full. And it felt like my lungs just seized right up. Like, like needles were piercing through in there and it was just you know, like and it was oh, I, I you know I mean it was I was not prepared in any way to have that and I, I and, and that moment was like why in the hell would anybody what is this why would people do this you know um, I did you know to be honest with you I did sort of smoke for a few years when I was 19 or so, started hanging out at First Avenue with my friend, with my friend John, and we'd have a cigarette or two. He he was a smoker, and I'd go out and have some beers, and I'd have some cigarettes. And then for the rest of the week, 
You know, on the weekends I do that, and then for the rest of the week I wouldn't touch a smoke. I wouldn't desire one. Didn't have the feeling for it. Uh, I was working janitor job at working nights at some point, and and there there was a couple weeks there where I did start smoking during the week a little bit at night when working with the other guys because they all smoked and I did. And then at some point, and you know, I just it just uh, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to keep that up. And then I you know, so I, as I said, I would I'd have some beers, I'd smoke. And then, yeah, and that's go out drinking on Sunday nights, for the, and then wouldn't go drinking again until Friday, and just wouldn't desire a cigarette. And so when I quit, I just quit. There was nothing. It was nothing. It was not, I didn't feel there was no withdrawals. There was no nothing. So I never really, really got into it. But I think I delayed starting smoking because of that moment as a kid. And then when I did, I I knew that I to expect that. And so it was a you you eased into it, but I didn't ease to, into it that time. It was holy smokes! I don't smoke now. I haven't smoked for many years, and I don't ever intend to. It's just it's just stupid and it's gross. And I'm glad my son doesn't at least at this point. And we want to keep him from vaping. It's just why? What's the point? It's, it's you know vape. Ugh! It's just why? Just don't. I mean, I mean, if you're trying to wean yourself off of cigarettes and vaping helps, well, okay, fine. But I just, you know, it's just a nasty habit. Why get into it? Okay, um, what have I got left? I, I, a little bit of skepticism for you guys. Even the big guys, even the big skeptics, the practiced skeptics, the, the learned skeptics, the ones with degrees can be fooled. Uh, I get the uh, magazine Skeptic magazine. It's it's uh, published by the Skeptics Society. I'm part of the Skeptics Society. Well, that just means I get a subscription to the magazine, and uh, I get the newsletter. And I don't usually look at the newsletter that much, but this one caught my eye. The latest one, um, the Skeptic Magazine, got um, got duped by somebody that wrote for them. It was a fellow named John Anthony Glynn. And he uh, passed himself off as a PhD psychologist. He was a, a psychology professor. He was going to start working at one university or something, and he's just, he was giving all these, these, this is what I am. But Skeptic Magazine didn't really look into his, his credentials. He submitted articles. They said they fact-checked the articles and looked at them, and they they, uh, they published two in the magazine and then two online. So four total mag uh, articles. But this guy had written articles for uh, many other magazines, uh, including uh, and websites, including Huff Huffington Post, uh, the American Spectator, uh, or yeah, American Spectator, uh, Psychology Tomorrow, and there were others. And and. They, I'll link to the uh, to the newsletter uh, or to the article, and so you can check it out. Um, and that they started to see some red flags. Something just kind of uh, something doesn't seem right here. And uh, some researchers that work for uh, for Skeptic Magazine decided to follow up on this guy and to check his credentials. And it turned out, you know, he they'd asked him, I said, you know, you got a PhD? Do you have, you know, can we see your your you know your proof of that and he sent them documents and so they contacted the university from which he was supposed to have gotten the uh, the stuff and they said nope 
<laughs> that's not our documents. That's not what they look like. And and then they found the, so the Skeptic Magazine researchers found that there's a website where you can get d- d- diplomas made up for you for a price. And uh, you know to the to the to the unknowledgeable observer, they would look pretty legit. And and yeah, so as they that the guy was finally busted, and the, the publisher of uh, Skeptic Magazine, a fellow named uh, Michael Shermer, Doctor Michael Shermer, he actually does have a PhD, and he's a bit of a problematic guy. I'm not going to get into all that, but I I still enjoy the magazine. I think it's a good resource for skepticism. Um, you know, he said, you know, you've deceived me. What's going on here? And then the guy admitted it, and he said, can we just keep this private? Shermer says, "Hell no!" <laughs> and he puts it out there, and he he figures that these other magazines that have published for him, or these other uh, uh, outlets uh, for articles, um, will probably uh, retract stuff, take it offline, things like that. And uh, so, why the guy did it, don't know. Um, and he must have been able to sound intelligent enough and know what he was talking about. But they, yeah, you know, the uh, Shermer tells the people, he says, you don't need a PhD to write an article for Skeptic Magazine. But if you're going to say that you have a PhD, you had better have a PhD. And they felt embarrassed and they felt apologetic to the readers. And they said, we're going to make sure to uh, be much more vigilant in, in checking on the, the qualifications of the people who submit articles that they decide to to uh, print so so even the big time skeptics even they can be taken in so you have to be ever vigilant so don't feel so bad when you get taken in because the big time ones do but but you should always be careful and watch it huh, okay uh, let's see before I uh, yeah I, I certainly I certainly have to do one of these. And now, it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, we'll see. I said I was going to talk about sports again. Uh, Now you know I watch commercials on television, and I listen to them on the radio. I know most people don't. uh, But, uh, you know, when I'm watching a sporting event, uh, you know, the commercials on it. The most I can do if they're really annoying is I can mute them. Uh, I can, you know, if I'm watching on TV, I can flip the channels. But if I'm watching on my laptop where I'm accessing, you know, uh, an internet site to to watch this kind of stuff, I can't just flip around channels. I'd have to mute or or watch the ads. So I've been seeing an ad by Geico. Now I'm telling you, Geico, the insurance company must have a massive advertising budget because they have all sorts of ad campaigns all running at the same time they got the ones with the with the gecko the lizard guy and then they've got you know other, you know other ones with sports things sports themes to them and they have you know the 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 the, uh, the, the camel walking through so what day is it is it hump day it's hump day you know, whatever whatever that ad is the cavemen guys they they had the, they just have all these these ad campaigns and, and 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 as I said, they can have several going at the same time on, on you know, airing right now. You know, and so there's this one. 
And I talked about one of them a while back in a pedantic moment about uh, there's a Atlanta Braves fl fan. He's on a plane, and he's, he, his, his seat is next to a Philadelphia Phillies fan. These are baseball teams. And he, you know, and they're they're rivals. They're and he's just like, oh, don't you have another place that I can sit? And and he ends up sitting between uh, uh, two uh, two parents, a, a mother and a father, and their twin baby girls that are crying. And and I, my pedantic moment then was, why would there be an empty seat in between them? They're they're obviously together. Why is there an empty seat there? I mean, the the twin girls are dressed identically. <laughs> it's a, I mean, they're they're mom and dad. Why are why is the seat there anyway? So, I saw this other this ad, and and it's got two two fellows driving uh, minivans in a parking lot, and they're and it's a crowded parking lot, and they're both approaching an empty space, one empty slot, and they and they both realize that they're going for it. They stop and they look to the, the other driver, and they both say, "Oh, you go ahead." No, no, no. You go ahead. But then driver A notices that driver B's minivan is all decked out in Kansas City Royals regalia. And it can't, that's a baseball team. He sees that and he says to himself, Royals? And then driver B notices that driver A's car is all decked out in St. Louis Cardinals paraphernalia. And he says to himself, Cardinals, oh! Then they turn into a couple of Zacks. You know, the north-going Zacks and the south-going Zacks will not budge. They sit there looking at each other. I'm not going to get out of your way. You're not. I'm not getting out of your way. And they sit there. Neither of them will take the spot, but neither of them will get out of the way. So that, you know, it's just. And they sit there, and there's a time-lapse thing that happens, and all the rest of the cars leave, and the, it gets dark, and they're sitting there at night, and they're still doing that. And the and the ads about rivalries. And I watched that, and I said. Um, Geico, uh, Kansas City Royals and the St. Louis Cardinals are not rivals. They're not rivals. Look, there are rivalries between towns. So I, I know somebody who had lived in Kansas City and said that there was a rivalry between Kansas City and, and St. Louis. But that's, that's like a rivalry between St. Paul and Minneapolis. It's kind of a friendly thing. It's not, you know, oh, we're better than you. No, no, we're better than you. You know, that kind of thing. It's just, it's like that. And there are such things as crosstown rivals. Chicago. Chicago has the Cubs and the White Sox. So there could be two guys, friends, from Chicago, and they're friends with each other, and one's a White Sox fan and one's a Cubs fan, and it could be this, this rivalry there where it's you know, they needle each other about who's the better team. Same thing in New York. You got the Mets and the hated Yankees, and there can be that. But the thing is, they're not rivals, not sports rivals. And maybe I'm just being pedantic. <laughs> this is a pedantic moment. But the way I define rivals is that they have to be teams that can uh, one-up the other team within the same league or the same conference or the same division, right? They have to be able to you know, mess the other team up. They have to play them frequently. So in football, the Minnesota Vikings, their rival team is the Green Bay Packers. They're in the same division. They play each other twice a year, and there's that 
that that that competition to win the division between the two. So they get that against each other, right? In baseball, you've got the, the most storied rivalry is the hated Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. They're in the you know they're in the same they're in the same league, American League. They're in the same division, the Eastern Division of the American League. So one team can mess up the other team's chances of winning. You know, they, 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 and they meet each other. They play several games against each other each year. So for the St. Louis Cardinals, their rival is the Chicago Cubs. They're in the same division in the same league. The Kansas City Royals are in the American League. The, the Cardinals are in the, are in the National League. Now with interleague play, they might meet each other here and there. But it's not this regular thing. And they did, in fact, meet once in the World Series. And that was in 1985. And the Kansas City Royals won. But that's, it's just, it, that's not a rivalry. It should be a Cubs fan and a Cardinals fan. Now, there may be reasons why there isn't. Because, you know, maybe there's a, a, a Geico is a sponsor of these two teams. And it's not a sponsor of the Cubs. So they couldn't use the Cubs. Or maybe the Cubs has a you know has a has a contract with some other insurance company or something, you know as something, it, it, that that could be that could be the case. I know there was some beer campaign for I think some football teams, and not all the same football. You know it was most of the league, for Bud Light or something like that would be. But there were a few teams that weren't because those teams had contracts with a different beer company. So I think it was the football. Now I'm going to go a little long on this show, but that's okay. Um, in the in the old old days, not the old 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 days, but the old days, like the 1940s into the 1950s, the golden era of baseball. If you were a fan of a New York team, <laughs> because in those days you could have an interleague rivalry, because from 1947 to 1956, the hated Yankees and the Brooklyn Dodgers met six times in the World Series. The Dodgers only managed to win once, and that was in 1955. And a couple years later, they moved out to Los Angeles. But then you, I would say, okay, yes, that would be an example. That, that could be a rivalry because they always meet in the World Series. But see, the difference back then was there were only 16 teams. There were two. There was the American League and the National League. 16 teams. Eight teams in each league. And if you won, you know, and the way it went back in those days, you won the league, you just had the best record at the end of the regular season, you went on to the World Series to play the other league's champion. There was no playoffs that went there. That's changed because now we have 30 teams. So there's a, there were, there's a couple rounds of playoffs that take place before you get to the World Series. And then there's a wild card game before you get to those rounds, even them. So... It's the chances of the same two teams ending up in the World Series today is much diminished than what it was when there was just 16 teams. You and in those days you didn't have free agency. You had players playing for the same team for years and years and years. So you could have essentially the same team for five years, six years, seven years, and they would be, you know, they 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 have the same talent. You know, sure, it would diminish over time as the, team, the players got older and the new players would come in, but 
it would not be unusual for the same teams to end up playing each other. You know, as in the New York, or I'm sorry, the hated Yankees and the Brooklyn Dodgers. It just it was not unusual. So, so then that could be a rivalry. But I'm telling you, boys and girls, uh, it's that's not a rivalry between the uh, uh, the Kansas City Royals and the St. Louis Cardinals. It's not, and yeah, they should have picked teams that were uh, the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. They could be considered rivals. They're in the same division in the same league, but not the Cubs and or not the uh, Royals and Cardinals. It's just they're just not rivals. Good night, Adolfo. Good night. Oh, an end of another show. When I get off, I'm going to see how badly the Twins lost or how well they won. Well, who knows? Uh, be skeptical. And extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, and I'm reminding all of you out there to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by the Yolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Well, well, I'm going to hell. And the Minnesota Twins lost. Six to two, 11 innings. Ugh.